Amen. It's good to see you. I ask you to please go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 17. That's where we'll be this morning. Let's go ahead and look at Matthew 17 as we're back in our series going through the gospel according to Matthew. And you saw last week from Pastor Barry how Peter made the right confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But then the, the crazy thing, right after the right confession, he makes the wrong decision and tries to argue with Jesus about being crucified. And Jesus shuts him down and points him and points us in the right direction that we all have a cross we're going to have to pick up if we're disciples of Christ, that our lives are his. We are not the captain of our souls. He is. And so now, six days after that, Matthew 17 picks up, and the three, Peter, James, and John, go up to a mountain, a large hill with Jesus to pray, and they behold the glory of Christ. So if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of the words of Christ. And we'll begin in Matthew 17, verse 1. So after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured in front of them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'll set up three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus came up, touched them, and said, get up, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. This is God's word. You may be seated. Here the disciples see the transfigured, transformed, amazing glory of Christ. And when I read this passage, I don't know, I, I couldn't help but think about, remember the craze a few months ago with the, the aging app? Upload your picture, take your picture, and you can this is what I'll look like 40 years from now. This is how old I look. This is how, how maybe some of us going, man, I don't want to look at that. Look, look, I look better, I think. Um, there's the old app, and then there's the inverse one the, where you can babify yourself. Look like a baby. What you look like with a little baby head and all this kinds of stuff. When I thought about the flash forward app and the flash backward app, I thought of this passage. Because what Jesus just did for them on the Mount of Transfiguration is that he, he rewinded the tape for them. He rewound the tape and said, look, this is the glory I had with my father before I came here, shining in brightness. And then he fast-forwarded for them. This is the glory that I will have in my resurrection and my ascension when I reign in the heavenly places. And then he shows them all of this in real time. This is who I really am, radiating with glory. And I think we need this passage for really one simple reason. God wants all of us to be blown away by his son to be floored and to be in awe and to behold the glory of Christ. I don't know if you've ever been starstruck. 
uh, met a celebrity or seen a movie star or a professional athlete, you get a little excited and you try to sneak a picture and try to get a picture with them. Just like our family when we were in Disney World back in December. And we get off the plane in Orlando and the Rockets, the Houston Rockets are playing the Orlando Magic that night. And I saw that on my phone and I leaned over. We're in Orlando. Hey, Nally, the Rockets are playing the Magic here tonight. And she goes, we're not going to the game. It's like, I know, I know, I know. I'm just, just saying, you know, just mentioning. And as we're, we're coming down the escalator to baggage claim, we see a guy holding a sign, Austin Rivers. And for some reason, I read it and I thought Austin Powers, one of our, one of our church members here at, at church is like, what's Austin getting a limo for? This is amazing. And Natalie goes, I bet that's a Rockets player. I thought, no. I said, Natalie, I bet you're right because he's been sick. And I bet he didn't take the team charter. I bet he's better. I bet he was on our flight. And she's like, well, we have to wait. I'm like, duh, we have to wait. And so we're waiting around, just waiting. I'm like, you know, kicking the carpet, just looking at the escalators. And then all of a sudden, here comes this massive man down the escalator holding a very expensive Gucci handbag, um, really cool shoes and everything coming down. We're like, that's him, that's him, that's him, that's him, we see him. And like, I take my phone out and the first picture I have of Austin Rivers is him coming down the escalator with a face on him like, bewildered because I'm just like boom 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 I'm getting pictures of him we come down we're all talking to him hey man we're so we're Rockets fans we're from Houston like we're so excited and we can't wait the season's gonna be great and blah 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 and Oliver's like looking at him like hey awesome. you know we're all like kind of being shy we take pictures and selfies with him. it was so cool to see a, a Houston Rocket a professional basketball I mean it's awesome but his glory doesn't even compare if we would have saw Russell Westbrook like he's a bench player I mean that's cool man you're great but I want to see an all-star or if we had saw Michael Jordan, he'd be like, excuse me, Austin, I want to go see Michael Jordan. And to see the glory of Christ radiating out of this passage now, where there are thousands of teachers in Israel, there are hundreds of leaders, and Jesus is now there with Peter, James, and John, and he lets his glory shine in front of them. This happens for us to really help our hearts and our, to help our thoughts get to scale. Because we, we come in here week after week, and we sing, we hear sermons, and we, we give, and we serve, and we, we see each other. But often, our thoughts of Jesus are too puny. They're too small. And our thoughts of other people and our thoughts of other things loom much larger. And Jesus gives us this moment so our thoughts of him will get into the right proportion. And here at the Transfiguration, this moment of pyrotechnics from Jesus reminds us who he is and why it's really good for us. And that's what we're going to see this morning, who Jesus really is and why that's really, really good for us. And it begins that we would see this, that we would remember and see the godness, the godness of Jesus. So he, he takes him up on a mountain six days after Peter's confession that we saw last week. And they're up there and, and Mark and Luke, who also give us this account, say that they're praying. And all of a sudden, Jesus is transfigured. His face shines bright. His, his clothes, Mark says, go as, as bleached white as bleach could be. Could, no bleach could even get it that, that white. And he's transformed in front of them. And who doesn't love a good transformation story? We, we all do. That's why all the makeover shows and makeover segments are so popular. And, and why all of our favorite movies have them. This transforming to reveal power. Like Superman taking off his glasses. It's Superman. I had no idea. It's Superman. Spider-Man takes off the hoodie and boom, in the Spidey suit. Iron Man calls for the suit. Hulk just hulks out. And here Jesus hulks out. 
literally, when it says his face was shone like the sun, it's more that he, it's like he was lamped. It wasn't an external source shining on him like the moon. It was him shining out, flexing on the earth. And they couldn't even look. It's just so bright. His clothes so white, all of it, all to reveal to his disciples and all to reveal to us right now that Jesus, to remind us, he is God. He's not just any other person. He is the God man. And we must remember this about Jesus, that yes, he is 100% human and he is 100% God. Glorious. He stands above all other people. And the, so Peter and the disciples make the right confession in chapter 16. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And now they get the revelation of that confession. Look at him. And the father says, this is my son of whom I am well pleased. So beloved, when you know who Jesus is, you will see who Jesus is in the scriptures. You will see it by faith. And one day, your faith will become sight. Do you remember... Do you remember when Moses was on the mountain at Mount Sinai? He's up there with God. And what he asked God? Let me see your glory. There's a, there's, this passage is a lot like spaghetti, where it's just like, it's all over the place, and they get tangled up. This passage has connections and things going all over the place, and one of them is Moses on Mount Sinai. Moses says, I want to see your glory on the mountain. What does God tell him? You can't. You'll get vaporized. But I'll show you the back. I'll show you my back. I'll hide you in this rock and I'll pass by you and you'll see it and you'll hear it. Seeing and hearing. God passes by Moses and he sees his glory. And what, what does God say? In Exodus, he says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord is gracious, merciful and abounding in faithful love and willing to forgive sinners. And now what's happening on this mountain they get to see his face, his glory, not the back. They see the face of Christ shine in front of them. Moses comes down from that mountain shining. Jesus is on that mountain shining. And they don't hear the Lord, the Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Instead, they hear from the Father this time, this is my son. You want to see my glory? You want to see my goodness? This is my son. And who is my son? He is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and he is abounding in faithful love and he will forgive sins. This is what John writes about in John chapter one when he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this part, we observed his glory the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John was there. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God. And is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. John says, when I saw Jesus on, on that mountain that time, it clicked for me, I'm seeing God. If you wonder what God is like, and I know some of us don't come to church regularly. Um, some of us are, are not Christians. I'm so thrilled that you're here. Uh, maybe you don't get to ask Christians a lot of questions about who you think God is or what is God like. But if you ever wonder, what is God like? Look at Jesus. He is the revelation of God. His glory, his goodness, his love. It's all God. He is, no, he is not a watered down version of God. He is full strength Mexican Coke God. 
the Dr. Pepper made in Waco, real sugar, God. And when you see his godness, the, the one thing you'll see next is you see in this passage, you see the person in place of Jesus. The person in place. Look at, look at who shows up after he shines in, in 17, verse 3. So while he's shining, he's radiating, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them. The, so Peter, James, and John see it and see that they're talking. They're having a conversation together. So why Moses and Elijah? Why these two high-towering Old Testament figures? Why them? Well, they display multiple things here. First, they are a picture of the entire Old Testament. The law and the prophets, that's a phrase the Bible uses to describe the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, law and the prophets, law and the prophets. So law, Moses, prophets, Elijah. There's the entire Old Testament having a conversation with Jesus. And the other gospels tell us that they're having a conversation about his departure or the word you could use about his exodus that he's about to undergo, about his cross, about his resurrection, about his return to the Father. So who better to talk to than Moses about an exodus? How Moses is going to minister to Christ in this moment. I really do believe that, and it may sound weird. Why would Jesus need ministering to? Don't angels minister to Jesus after his temptations in the wilderness? He, He encourages them. And what about his group of friends? They have little faith. So Jesus just told them, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to send back to the Father. He's telling them about his departure and his closest friends go, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. They're like, okay, you guys can't help me with this. I need Moses, Elijah. Can we talk? Boom. And they have a conversation about the departure that he's about to go under. So Moses makes sense. He led the Exodus. He can encourage Christ with what he's about to do as the true and, and better Moses. But why Elijah for the prophets? Why not Isaiah? Why not Jeremiah? Why not Jonah? Why, why, Elijah's an interesting one. So I had to think about why Elijah? Why Elijah? Well, if you remember, something unique happened to Elijah that only happened to one other person in the whole Old Testament. What was that? Him and Enoch. They didn't die. They didn't physically die. They just were caught up to the Father. So I think this is why Moses and Elijah are here. Moses died, leading the people out. And Jesus is going to die on the cross, leading the people out. But he will rise from the dead. And like Elijah, who ascended to heaven in a chariot of fire, the Lord Jesus will ascend back to the Father's right hand. These guys are pictures of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is the true and better Moses who gives his law from the Sermon on the Mount and dies to set the captives free. And Elijah, Jesus is the true and better Elijah who will ascend up to the Father's right hand and will sit there for us. So Jesus is getting ministered to from these. And I love this picture of Moses, Elijah, and Jesus just chatting it up. It's an amazing display of the unity and continuity of the Bible. We don't have two different versions of God's plan. We don't have two different versions of God. God didn't call an audible and send his son when Moses and the prophets and all of them failed. The Old Testament represented Moses and Elijah. And then who else is on this mountain? The New Testament, Peter, James, and John, who are all gonna write books of the Bible. Apostles represented. Old Testament writers, New Testament writers, all meeting together at the center, Christ. 
Jesus is the center of it all. And and Peter sees this moment and he thinks, this is incredible. We should do something. Verse four. This is a great lesson that sometimes we don't always have to say or do anything. Verse four. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'm going to set up three shelters, three cabanas. Let's do it. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Let's hang out here. This is going to be great. Now, the Gospel of Mark adds this line, and we know it has to be. It's such an insight because Peter disciples Mark. And the thing that Mark says about these comments from Peter is that Peter said this because he didn't know what he was talking about. (laughs) Peter said this because he didn't know what he was saying. And we've all been there. We're talking like, and we're thinking, why am I saying these things? And then we just stop ourselves. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm done. I don't know what I'm talking about. And you know, Sometimes people dog Peter really hard for this moment. I, I really don't, we can't a little because it's fun, but I don't think we need to a lot. I think he's trying to honor the moment, to honor Jesus, because he was just a moron in the previous chapter. Jesus, you're not gonna go to the cross. And Jesus says, hey, Satan, why don't you step off? Okay, Lord. I mean, like, and now he says, Lord, this moment's amazing. You, Elijah, Moses, I'm loving this. How can we honor this moment? Okay, Joshua set up stones. They would do kind of things to remember stuff. You guys might be hot. We're on a mountain. How about some shelter? How about some shade? You, Moses, and Elijah, we're all gonna hang out. It's gonna be great. Then look at what happens. He learns Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are not on the same level. Verse five. While he was still speaking. So he's still talking. So saying other things. Suddenly, a bright cloud covered them, more literally, enveloped all of them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son. Nothing about Moses. Nothing about Elijah. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Nothing about Moses. Nothing about Elijah. Listen to him. I love that Peter gets interrupted by the voice of God. I mean, how good it is to be interrupted by the word of God. The word of God will spare you from saying all kinds of stupid things. It is good to be interrupted by God. And this bright cloud envelops them and says, this is my son. We heard the disciples affirm this in chapter 16. You are the son, you are the son. And now it's the father's turn. This is my son. And I'm so thrilled with him. The Pharisees and Sadducees, all the religious leaders of Israel are not pleased with him. The father says, I am. I love my son. I'm proud of my son. I have nothing bad to say about my son. See, the the disciples, they're not able to minister to Christ in this moment. They failed. Elijah and Moses, they're ministering to Christ. And the father comes and he ministers to Christ. And just as a side note for dads and, and, and moms, I remember hearing a pastor say one time that this, these words from God the Father are a great line for parents and fathers and mothers to say to their children too. To tell them, you are my child and I love you just because you're my kid. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so thrilled with you. I have, I just, I, I can't, I have nothing evil to say. I have nothing bad to say about you right now. I just love you so much. Just these words of encouragement and affirmation go miles. Because what we're seeing here is this, is this intra-Trinitarian love between the Father and the Son. Because sometimes, and, and maybe you think this way, or maybe you've met people at your work that think this way, that, that the actions and attitude of God in the Old Testament 
and the actions and attitude of God in the New Testament are different. Almost as though there's the moody, mean father in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we have this gracious son who shields us from the father. No, 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 no. Don't think that way. The father sees the ministry of his son and he looks down and says, I love what you're doing, son. This is perfect harmony and holiness and unity in God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And it's displayed here wonderfully. The Father speaks in front of Moses. We're all, look at all the witnesses. Moses, Elijah, the law and the prophets, all, the apostles, and Jesus, and now us. We are all witnesses to this of God saying, this is my beloved Son. I'm so pleased with him. And now there's an addition. We heard these words at Jesus' baptism. Same words. But now the father says something else. What? Listen to him. Listen to him. This is the message of God. Jesus. If you want to sum up the entire message of all 66 books of the Bible with one word, it is this, the word of God who became flesh, his name, Jesus. It used to be, listen to Moses, that's all they had. It used to be, listen to the prophets, that's all they had. The apostles are gonna write a lot of things too and they're all gonna say the same thing. Listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Jesus himself says in John chapter five, Moses writes about me. Moses said this moment would happen. In Deuteronomy 18, he said that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. From among your brothers, he will raise up another Jewish man. And what? You must listen to him. And so the father speaks, this is it. Listen to Christ. You want to sum up the Old Testament, law and prophets? Jesus. You want to sum up the other side of the Mount of Transfiguration with the New Testament and their writings of the apostles? It's Jesus. And we see it so clearly. If you fast forward, the cloud leaves the three disciples look up and what do they see? Look at the end of verse eight. When they looked up, the cloud leaves, they saw no one except Jesus alone. Christ alone. This is the Christian life. Trusting Jesus above all that we would see the centrality of Jesus. Beloved, it's all about him. This message right now from the Mount of Transfiguration is that he takes first place in everything. And that's what the disciples write about in the New Testament, how it all points to Jesus. It echoes his voice, teaches us how to follow him. So, beloved, this is the entire Christian life right here. Believing who Jesus is and listening to him. That's it. Sometimes we we overcomplicate what it means to be a Christian. This is it. Believing who Jesus is and listening to him. And, And listening not in the passive way of listening, like we listen to the radio on the way to work or listening to a, a podcast or while, while you're at the gym or listening to Spotify while you're cleaning around the house. You're listening, you're listening. That's not the kind of listening the Father's calling for. The kind of listening the Father's calling for is the kind of listening the way you listen to a doctor after a surgery. Clean the bandage every four hours, take the medicine every six do, do, do you hear what I'm saying? Do these things. You listen. You don't go, okay. I just want to be led by the Spirit on this, though. I just want to feel this out. I, I just want to navigate it and kind of feel my way through these things. No, you listen. 
The same way you listen to Google Maps. When you're going somewhere you've never been before. 20 miles, turn left. Exit, take 181. It's gonna be on the right. Turn in. You're not gonna go, no, no, no. I think I can figure this out. I'm just gonna go blind. I'm gonna figure it out. No, you listen. You have never been to the new Jerusalem before. You've never been to the new earth. And the Lord Jesus says, follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I will show you to where I am going. The kind of listening the Father is calling for is a listening that leads to doing. That when you believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he went to the cross and rose again for you, you know, when you know and believe those, you now know, I gotta listen to him. I gotta listen to him. And I don't doubt for a second that the Father says these words, listen to him, on the heels of Peter arguing with Jesus about Jesus going to be crucified for us. Peter argues and the Father thunders in and says, listen to him. Beloved, where and when do we argue with Jesus? Do we second guess? Do we delay obeying him? Where we're skeptical of what he says. Like, like what parts of the Sermon on the Mount, when you read it and we went through it, do you, you just tune him out? Gotta forgive? Listen to him. When Jesus talks about how to handle temptations, even if it gets to the severe level of cutting off your hand, the picture he gives, or gouging out your eye. And sometimes we, we battle such intense temptations. And some of us just think, I, I can still have my smartphone and I, I'll just, I just won't look at that stuff today, I promise. I'm gonna go, get a, I'm gonna go buy a Christian ring and I, it's gonna keep me from looking at pornographic things on my phone because I'm just gonna remember that. And that's what I'm gonna do. Do I really have to get rid of my phone? Do I really need to go to a dumb phone? Do I really need to take the TV out of my room? Do I really need to say I'm never going to drink alcohol again? Do I really need to confess these things? Listen to Jesus. Do I really have to pick up my cross and die to my desires? I mean, can't I just do what I want still? And, you know, I'm still gonna come to church. I'm still gonna give. I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna do good works, but I'm still gonna do what I wanna do. No, Jesus says, pick up your cross. Is Jesus really the only way to be saved? I mean, there's all kinds of other approaches to life and surely this is not the only approach. Listen to Christ. Are, are you listening to Jesus? And the way we hear him is with our eyes. Right here in this book, every page. Sometimes I know we wish that we were on that mountain. Oh, if I was on the Mount of Transfiguration, if I would have seen what Peter, James, and John saw, what they all saw, oh, I would be on the mission field. I would be turning from sin left and right. I would be telling everybody about Jesus if I had that experience. If I was there, I would be on fire for Christ. Here's what Peter says about this moment. He was there. And Peter says, you don't need to have physically been there. He writes about it in 2 Peter 1 on the screen. He says about the scriptures that we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He said, hey, I saw it. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. It's like I was there. 
We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. And guess what Peter says? We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it. He's saying, don't long for the Mount of Transfiguration. You have it. You have it here. This is, we also have this word strongly confirmed. Just like I heard the Father speak, you, you're hearing him speak now. And you'll do well to pay attention to it. Jesus was shining like a lamp on that hill. This word shines like a lamp in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Peter says, don't long for the Mount of Transfiguration. Look here. Pay attention to the Bible. It's a lamp shining in the darkness. It's like his face shining in that mountain. And the scriptures, Jesus, sheep hear his voice. And we listen to him. We hear him leading us and guiding us. And listen, I know that at times we come into church and we, we come every week and we, we come to the message and we sing, we come to the sermon time, whoever's preaching, and, and we all, we just looking for some new, profound, and deep insight just to be awed by the passage and to, to be drawn out and go, man, I've never seen that before. That was amazing. I don't have that for you today. We don't need that. What we need is to regularly listen to Jesus, period. Because listen, what good is some profound insight today if you don't listen to Jesus tomorrow? What good does it profit a person to learn and be wowed in church today and then ignore Jesus on Wednesday? What good is it to have your intelligence tickled and then tune Jesus out with the struggles in your marriage on Friday night. Listen. This is what God wants for us. Listen to my son. Listen to him. Trust him. Follow him. And if that doesn't interest you, you are not a Christian. If it does interest you, you are a Christian. If you've seen who he is and you've seen his importance and you've seen his place, you go, yeah, I want to follow him. You want to listen to what he says about his death on the cross. You want to listen to what he says about how you can be forgiven, how you could be saved. You want to listen to what he says that I'm going to rise and you're going to rise with me. That I'm going to return, that I'll be with you always till the end of the age. That I'm going to prepare a place for you. That my father is going to welcome you into his kingdom because of me. You've got to see his godness and see his importance, see his centrality and all of this. So for, for, this, for this fact, so you can see his goodness. Maybe, maybe you're afraid to follow Jesus. You see his glory shining. Up until this moment, maybe you've been journeying, maybe you've heard about Christ and he just seems like a good, kind teacher and just welcomes sinners and all that. But then you see this display of powerful, volcanic glory. And maybe you think, I don't know if I can bring my sin to somebody like this. I don't know if I can be real with somebody like this. Don't, don't be afraid of Jesus in that way. There is nothing to be afraid of in Jesus. Jesus' glory is a good thing for you. Look at, look at verse six and seven. 
When the disciples hear the voice, see the glory, all of that, the disciples heard this and fell face down and were terrified. So they, they hear, like, well, can you, when you hear a thunderclap in your sleep, I mean, loud thunder, it makes you jump and you feel afraid. When you're riding in an airplane and it just like, woo, it just dips a little, like, oh, that was really scary. When you, something powerful around you scares you. When you feel out of control, when you feel like I'm not in control of this situation, it's a little scary. And so the disciples realize we're not in control of this situation. And they fall face down, knowing they're unworthy, knowing they're sinners, knowing they don't deserve to be here. And what does Jesus not do in this moment? He does not walk over to them, put his feet on their backs and say, remember this. Remember your place and remember mine. Get up and follow me. That is not the approach of Jesus. What does he do? Verse eight, verse seven, Jesus came up and touched them and said, get up, don't be afraid. You can imagine Jesus just softly touching their backs, kneeling down as they're laying on the ground, getting next to them and just saying, guys, don't be afraid. You can get up. Beloved, his holiness shines to help us. His holiness is good for us. Jesus, he's not only just good, he is good for us. He's good to us. Beloved, Jesus doesn't shine his glory to defeat you. He shines to lift you up. He shines to save you. His power is not like the power of this world. His power isn't to put us in our place. But listen, his power is to put himself in our place. He doesn't shine to put us in our place. He shines to put himself in our place on the cross. Because the Mount of Transfiguration and the Mount Calvary of Golgotha, the place of the skull, are connected forever. Because the one whose face shines like the sun, his face will be punched, it will be beaten, and will have a crown of thorns crammed on its head. The one whose clothes are brilliant white, in a few chapters, his clothes will be ripped off of him and gambled away at the foot of the cross. And the one whose vo the voice speaks and says, this is my son, will have said as he's dangling from the cross. People will say, if you are the son of God, call for angels, get yourself down off of there. And Jesus does all of this to save us, to redeem us. See, we need the transfigured truth of Christ so we could, he could be crucified for us and to save and to transform us. Because thousands have been crucified, but only one has a face that can shine like the sun. Thousands were crucified, but only one had a voice say from heaven, this is my son of whom I am well pleased. And because of his death for you, I will look at you and say, I am well pleased. All of this is for us. He shines to save us. And the glorified son will rise for us and he will smile upon us and he will give us righteousness like a garment. So look to the beloved son. Like in verse eight, when they look up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. 
That is the vision of the Christian life. Do you see Jesus alone? Is that who you are trusting for salvation? Is that how, how you find comfort in Jesus alone? Or, or do you, when you look up and you see stress, you see anxiety, you see work, you see your past, you see shame, you see regret, you see the demonic powers, you see your drunkenness, you see your addictions, you see all of it, and it's weighs on you and weighs on you and weighs on you. But this is how you know you've become a Christian. That when you see all of these things, and they put your gaze down. They weigh you down. They're like a heavy burden on your back, down. But then you hear the testimony of the Bible that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. And you hear it, and it, you believe, and you look up, and all of that stuff is off the horizon. And you see Christ alone. And you see him, and you go, I know I'm saved because I only see you. Where are all the things that condemn me? Where are all, all the things that try to separate me from you? Where is cancer? Where is my shame? Where is my regret? Where is my debt? Where is my past adulteries? Where is my drug addiction? I don't even see it because I see you alone. That is the Christian life. Look to Christ alone and you will be saved. Let's go to him. King Jesus, meet us now in the supper that we may see your glory, that we may taste and see that the Lord is good, that you are good, that you shine for our good, that you were transfigured for our good, you were crucified for our good, you were raised, you ascended, and you will return for our good. Help us to listen to you. So many things competing, so many things distracting, so many things vying for our attention. Arrest our attention, Lord Jesus. May we hear the Father's counsel to us, can command to us today, listen to Jesus. May your sheep hear your voice, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, amen.